Don't be afraid of being something more. It improves Muschat. You're searching to be more, you're searching to learn more, you're searching to do more. It's a call to action. It's a call for ownership. A means to really live, whatever that means to you. Welcome to the show. All right, guys. Welcome to episode one of Living a Larger Life show. Excited to get this thing rolling. Uh, we're going we're gonna to kick it off with intros. I think everyone knows who this guy is on the right. My name is James Fitzgerald. I'm the founder of OPEX. Uh, I've been inside of fitness for a really long time, maybe 30 years now. Yeah, because since uh, I was 18, really, and after my injury and like falling in love with fitness, I kind of dug into it. So uh, I've been 30 years inside of it, and it's been a pretty cool journey. I would never have said when I started that I'd be doing this today. Uh, so I'm extremely grateful, and it's awesome to have, you know, I guess a, uh, an opportunity to, to keep pushing and keep teaching people things. And I think this is where, I, where I'm sitting right now to do that. So Awesome. It's great to be here with you. Good to have you, man. Candice. I'm Candice Hudspeth. I uh, lead marketing for us here at OPEX. I've been what else? In, I've what been else? What else, Candice? What else? I've Come been inside on. of fitness a long have time, too. Have you been too. doing fitness for 30 years? <laughs> uh, maybe 22, 23. Awesome. I'm not, you're, you have a little leg up on me, right? Because I just turned 40. Yeah, I just aged then. Yeah. That's it. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Georgia? Oh, I'm going next? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm Georgia Smith. I also work for OPEX. I create some, I think, pretty cool educational resources around uh, fitness for fitness coaches, and I am a fitness coach myself. I love Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so that's a big uh, hobby and passion. Do you, do you really? You guys might hear that. Oh my gosh. Who, who would have thought? Never heard you say that. Before. Never heard you say that. Nope. I have two cats. I love my cats. And I love my husband, who's actually behind the camera. So I think it's uh, worth giving him a shout out as well there. Awesome. And who, who are you? Oh, um, I'm Carl. I work for OPEX as well. Um, I'm a father. I've been in fitness for quite some time. I've done a lot of other things as well. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll kind of get into that as we unfold the, the who are we. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, uh, what's the guy's name from Catch Me If You Can? Not Leonardo DiCaprio, the real guy. <laughs> the real guy, yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of lived a Tom life Hanks like that. Tom Hanks was chasing him. Yeah, li yeah, I lived a, lived a life like that. Not uh, being chased, but just I've, yeah. I've done a lot of different things. Yeah, cool. Um, not as old as James, so I haven't been in fitness for 30 years. Mm -hmm. I, I, I got to add that. Probably would have um, been, though. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, yeah, going on a couple decades. So, yeah, that's, that's me. And this is, this is our show. This show is broadcast on YouTube and all podcast platforms. Our preferred platform is YouTube because we want you to pull up a chair, lean back, and spend a little over an hour with us immersed in the topics we're discussing and benefit from the visuals we include on screen. We also want your input. So as you're watching, please drop us a comment on YouTube and let us know your thoughts ask questions, and even suggest topics you would like us to cover in a future episode. Make sure you give this episode a thumbs up, subscribe, and share this episode with someone you know needs to hear this message. So we're going to kick every show off with a radar. So the radar is going to be a couple minutes, it's going to be an around the room, and it's just going to be what are you looking at this week. This one's a little different because we're talking about 
what have you been looking at over the past two or three years? For Georgia, I think it's like 15 or 20 years. <laughs> uh, uh, but we're going to kick this one off with a radar on what are you looking at over the last couple of years and for Georgia the past decade. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start that. All right, bear with me. So when we were talking about this idea, I bounced a couple things off of myself where I'm like, oh, what, what has really stood out to me? And it's like there's some things that are really obvious that have stood out to all of us over the past few years. But I wanted to kind of take a step back and think about, okay, all of the things that I was considering talking about, what, what is like a, a thought that can kind of uh, wrap everything that would have been my outcome or like what, I, what my uh, personal take-home message to people inside of that was. And the thought was intentions matter, but good intentions without wisdom often fall short, right? So that was the, the thought that kind of uh, wrapped around these two bigger pieces um, that, that uh, were just top of mind for me in, uh, in health and fitness. So intention number one, so this was, and these, are, these intentions were all good, I think, right? So intentions without, without wisdom can fall short. So this first intention was creating a connected and low barrier entry or a scalable fitness solution that will get people moving, build better awareness around fitness practices, and will create a healthier country. So that was like the market's number one intention. That's the thing that really st stood out to me. So how did this play out? Number one, market that wearables are needed to keep an eye on progress, monitor HRV, ensure you are getting enough steps, track your REM sleep, ensure that you are staying in the appropriate heart rate zones, et cetera. That was number one. Number two, how did this play out? Cloud-connected solutions like Mirror, Peloton, Tonal, et cetera, went to market selling that they will put a personal trainer in your home and you're going to reach all of your goals. You just need to sign up for this thing. Reality, number one, wearables are moving people further away from self-governance, responsibility, and awareness of their own health and fitness. Number two, cloud-connected solutions gave people crap prescriptions, over-promised the idea of the trainer in your home, focused on collecting a monthly subscription over helping people find, let alone reach their goals. They're on a downturn, and most of these are on marketplaces around the country for a fraction of retail or collecting dust. So that was intention one. Intention number two that really stuck out to me was we as a country want to keep people safe, healthy, and alive. Obviously, this has to do with what's top of mind for everyone, COVID, right? How did this play out? Mass and vaccines were mandated for men, women, and children. Schools were shut down. And when open, it was difficult for kids to stay in schools because of stringent distancing and, and exposure protocols. Number three, health and happiness, promoting places like beaches, gyms, and hiking trails were shut down. Number four, individuals that were not comfortable getting the vaccine or having their children get the vaccine were demonized, and this was coined as a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Reality, masks, the ones that people were wearing, were not as effective as, as everyone thought they would be in preventing the spread. Number two, children were at the lowest risk of serious illness, but the mandates had the biggest negative impact on their mental, physical, and developmental well-being. Number three, vaccines and boosters for those that fell outside of high risk were not as effective as led on at preventing or spreading the virus. All these were with really good intentions, right? Now the FDA, if you're following the news, is lowering standards even more to roll out new boosters by testing these drugs on mice rather than humans. Number five, if health was the number one priority, we would have 
put a look forward game plan together focusing on minimizing the reactive response the next time around, paying special attention to the preventable comorbidities connected to deaths. Number one being hypertension, so let's decrease that. Number two, let's decrease cardiovascular disease. And number three, let's decrease type two diabetes. So we haven't really heard game plans that we're rolling out to address those issues. It's just like, what's the next booster? What's the next vaccine? As I said, this started off with a good intention, but with lack of wisdom, those good intentions didn't work. And because of ego and steadfast ideologies, we are still not pivoting because I think we're just too afraid to say, hey, we were a little bit wrong. We apologize. Now we're going to move in this direction. So to cap that off, intentions matter, but without good intentions, or but with but good intentions without wisdom often fall short. And I'm just taking a pause here to make sure that we know we are going to cover a number of those things. Um, and not just because we want to discuss it and give our point or see how we saw things, but that it does open up a larger, larger conversation for another time. Um, and this is learning as we go. And maybe the radar in the future may do that. We may not get out of the radar. It may be so important relative to the topic. So great. Well, as Carl already alluded to, my radar is a little bit longer term than the uh, last couple of years. And part of the reason for that, I'm the baby of the group. I uh, turn 30 next month. And I feel like at that turning point in my life, I'm doing a lot of reflecting on the life saves that came prior, uh, which for me, a lot of that is like looking at the things I was thinking about and doing when I was in university a decade ago. And I studied international relations in uni, uh, was particularly interested in like non-traditional security threats, environmental and health security were like big issues that I dug into at the time and were really important to me. And a term that was discussed a lot for me in uni, uh, especially in like an environmental context, was this notion of think globally, act locally. It's probably something everyone has heard thrown around before. The idea of that idea is that uh, it urges people to consider the health of the entire planet and to take action in their own communities and cities. So do things in your local environment to have a bigger impact. So uh, recently, I read an article from Palladium Magazine, it came out in August, and it was titled, The Modern Diet is a Biosecurity Threat. And essentially this article like traced over the last century the times where poor diet and its consequences have really gained attention of policymakers and been seen as something that's a real threat to civilization. And on the back of those, the failure of government policies to actually make any impact on uh, public nutrition and health at all. So some examples, right? infertility, the vulnerability of unhealthy society to death from uh, things like COVID-19, so on and so forth. A quote from this article that really stood out, and I'm going to read this, the reality is that no current institutions have the capacity or incentive to do much of anything about the diet question. The food industry has tremendous power, and most of the medical establishment is more focused on post facto intervention and selling drugs than on general population health. The problem would have to be solved by a state that is willing to reshape the modern diet. Now, uh, what 10 years in the like, real world uh, has really drove home for me is that the state is not gonna do that, right? It's not gonna be the thing that moves the needle. I think we need to lower our expectations that initiatives like the uh, Michelle Obama, like let's move campaign, uh, you know, calories on fast food menus, that these things are actually gonna make a difference on a local and then on a global level. 
I believe that Act Local is the only answer, but the cynic in me really questions whether this is actually going to cause any radical global changes to health. Just like it turns out that opting for metal straws to save the sea turtles isn't going to be like the one thing that saves our oceans and the problem is a little bit bigger than that. Further, I do think that like thinking global can have some pretty negative consequences. Nihilism, overwhelm, anxiety. I think that's something that we've seen in response to the news cycle, almost creating like a freeze response that it seems to cause in people uh, where they just like do nothing at all because it all seems like too big of an issue. The problem's so big, I might as well give up. I think sometimes we need to let go of the stress around larger issues and instead just focus on what is immediately in front of us if we want to have an impact on either. So I'm going to use my radar today as a reminder to act local. Start with your own behaviours around nutrition and not because you think that it's going to change the global narrative, but to simply do it for you and your family. Not to take it uh, lengthy, but similar lines for my uh, radar for the past couple of years. Yeah, it, COVID um, just made us ask so many questions uh, of what really matters. I mean, that it was a Facebook post when I still was doing that thing uh, of a coach tip. Uh, if anything, I was thinking it was one of the first things that I said. I think it was in February 2020 uh, with a Zoom call. Of, remember, all these coaches were just like, you could sense it, right? All these coaches were clamoring to us to like, you know, you know, give us some direction. <laughs> what do we do with this thing? And uh, I didn't know what to tell them. But it did say this is going to um, collectively make us ask what really matters to you? What really matters? Um, I may have not gone about the right way by making fun of people being scared they can't work out anymore. But um, <laughs> I'll take a second to, to apologize for, for that uh, that manner went about, about doing that, but but that's what I knew. I just realized one thing. So, anyways, COVID has been on my radar for the past couple of years. Um, I, I saw a continual devaluation of the fitness coach through that process. You brought it up in your in your radar conversation of technology. Um, I saw this uh, emptiness uh, in individuals that it was a sneaky emptiness that was coming into society, and no one wanted to talk about it. And all we wanted to talk about was. Uh, uh, an admirable attempt to fix things and to take care of stuff. But, uh, and we could argue about some of that was nefarious, but I felt this emptiness just burrowing over everyone um, and left us with some true facts now on loneliness. And, and, um, but I think from that is, is a positive that was on my radar. It is going to make us critically think now. Uh, it is going to make us ask harder questions. And uh, I think that's a positive. So that's been on my radar for the devaluing of the coach, which which leads to, I think, a birth of like, let's really question uh, what our freedoms are and what our liberties are and uh, what it means to strive towards living a larger life, etc. Um, as well on that radar, uh, lastly, was my continued uh, jerth, uh, birth as an American, uh, American citizen. I'm still on my pathway to do that. Um, I'm a, I guess, a legal immigrant and I'm a, I'm a resident now and I look forward to the day I can call myself a citizen and uh, me and my family are still uh, participating in that journey and we're still on that pathway and this is just one of the uh, the fantastic stories uh, of that book that I read over time of my essential essential um, citizenship that I look forward to so that's been on my radar for the past couple of years. I love that. Well um, along the same lines I, I spent a lot of time during uh, the couple of years that we were experiencing all this craziness in the world, working from home, being at home a lot, 
working out at home, which I had been for several years. But one, at one point, I decided, well, I want to get out and find a social uh, opportunity for me to be active with others. And I took up boxing. I went into a local boxing gym uh, here in the Valley, and there was a lot of youth in that gym. And spending time with them and realizing how what lack of knowledge they had uh, when it came to caring for themselves, uh, fueling themselves, and even their lack of uh, knowledge around movement and health in general, um, it just kind of broke my heart. It made me do a lot of reflection on kind of why I am the way I am today. And a lot of that goes back to the way that I was raised, the values and the practices and behaviors that were put forth in my home. I had a mom who was very active, very concerned with health. We sat down for family dinners. We had homemade dinners. Uh, there was always a protein and a starch and a veggie on our plate. And so I feel like a lot of the advantages that I've had and just fitness being a part of my life, influencing a lot of my life, really started in the home, modeling the behaviors of, of my mom, modeling the behaviors of, of the rest of my family. And, and that factor has just stuck with me through all of this experience over the years. I don't have kids of my own, but being able to spend time with youth out um, in the boxing gym and just interact with them, I was just hungry to be able to give them that knowledge or to share with them. I don't know if that they are not receiving that for a lack of knowledge on the parents' part. I know there's, there's obviously a lot of complexities uh, to those scenarios, but just has been on my heart the last two years to really be able to give back and invest to youth in, in a more powerful way so that they're armed with the knowledge that, that is necessary for them to go in and live the, their version of a larger life. So that's been on my radar a lot. Um, and I think it goes back to a lot of the points that you all have hit, just that ownership in uh, starting with yourself, starting with uh, the actions that you can take in your own life and modeling uh, the behaviors that you want to see in the world or, you know, living your life in uh, a manner that you want to see reflected in how this country evolves and moves forward. You want, I want to see my peers behaving the same way that I'm behaving uh, or modeling these behaviors that we know are going to enable them to live the most fulfilling life. Um, that's been on my radar a lot, but starting with youth. Awesome. Want to learn more about the Live a Larger Life show? Visit livealargerlifeshow.com to learn more about our mission, meet our hosts, browse past episodes, and more. Well, let's transition to defining what does it mean to live a larger life? Yes, sir. All right, what does it mean to live a larger life? Um, we, we're going to segment this out. We have, a, we have some predetermined points, but uh, I think this conversation is going to go a little bit further than those. Um, but to keep us on track, let's start with uh, where, where does that term come from? Because this isn't a new term, mm. as uh, Candice alluded to earlier. Uh, this is something that OPEX James has said for twenty plus years. Yeah, and I know I know kind of the 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 idea of where where that term came from, but I want you to explain that in your own words, James. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, well, I'm kind of curious too. Hold that in your pocket. Where you think it came from? Um, I think it came from being in the trenches um, with people, and uh, then getting. Uh, the success through CrossFit and then getting into the online world through writing a blog, uh, blogspot, optimumperformancetraining.blogspot, and then recognizing that there's something, there's something more there. It's more about the thrusters. It was more about the performance. It was more about, uh, or sorry, more than the thrusters, more than, um, there was something there that, uh, uh, you know, at the age uh, let's see what what how old was I? Thirty two, thirty three, thirty four. Um, 
I think, which I want to come back to your through lines on 30 and growing and brain age and et cetera. Yeah, anyways, uh, I think at that time too, I was like, there's got to be something more, <laughs> you know? And I think uh, those kind of things just went through my head all the time with like, if you go back on the blog, you could see some like uh, initial attempts at the, at, at the philosopher in me, like asking the bigger questions, right? Like, why are we really doing any of this? You know, you could see it in my words without being too open to, to make, make it nihilistic for everyone, right? Like rip everyone apart. Uh, but it was my starting attempt at that were to say something like, I think we're trying to do something here that's bigger and more than what we currently are participating in. And so uh, we came up with that. And, um, you know, we've got to thank all the people at that period of time, the old big dog crew, the initial people that uh, uh, wanted to listen to me and what I had to say beyond the CrossFit sphere, uh, all my clients back at that time. Um, all the people that were on board with the idea that I, crazy idea that I had in mind up in Aspen Drive. Um, yeah, we were actually, you know, pushing to live a larger life. That's where it came from. Um, and it means a lot. There's a lot to it. I mean, I'll speak about it in more specific terms um, as to what I personally think about that today and what it means for this show. But uh, that's the historical context. So it's got, uh, it's got some really cool history. Yeah, where I was going with that, James, was I know that uh, you know the most let's call it impactful mentor that you've ever had. There was there was a connection there yes. as well with, yes. with, with that idea. Well, the yeah, so great. Uh, you know, to my point on my initial insight into philosophy, that comes from Bernie. You know, the inspiration to just keep asking questions, right? And uh, he instilled that in me. He made me, you know, ask all those really hard questions, and. Uh, you know, and he would consistently remind me of the, the project, like what's the project that you're a part of or that you want to be a part of or that your vision says that you can really go out there and, and, and do that. And uh, yeah, so he, he helped me inspire those words. Yeah, really quick. So we're going to dig into um, all the specifics. And thank you for, make, for helping me remind me yeah, of that. Yeah, for sure. No, uh, it was, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, saying that as a, a gotcha moment as if you don't know where that came from, but I actually did forget that the, the building of that came from my conversations mm -hmm. with Bernie, so I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll get into the specifics and like, you know, this is what sits inside of this idea, but let's maybe spend a second and talk about uh, why we chose that as a name. And now what does that mean to us moving forward to the people listening in and watching in? Um, James, I know you were, that was kind of on the tip of your tongue and you wanted to hold that back a little bit. Do you want to continue that and say like, okay, that, that's what it meant for me then? right? Mm. What does it mean for you now? Why did we choose that name? And what should it mean for the people listening? Yeah, I think we came up with the name because we all felt, I think, that it was going to act as a guiding light, right? Because inside of the language itself, it says, you know, do more, be something more, right? Um, and it says more than just live. I mean, live is so uh, formal and easy today. Live, laugh, love. I mean, you know, live a blessed life, except like it's, it, th those are great, probably very powerful intentions of ideas, but they're just not coming. So I think the, the what, you know, I think what we're trying to do in the project is to, is to go after the uh, larger aspect. I think we're going to continually learn over time what we mean by living. And we're going to continually over time, over time, understand what we all may disagree on or agree on as to what a uh, well-lived or a larger life is. But uh, I think that's what it was for. 
Yeah. The there's big project. A, yeah, there's a challenge in there, right? Where you're 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 live telling, larger. Yeah, that's it, right? Don't like just live. Yeah, there's a there's a bit of a challenge inside of that where it's like, don't be content with where you are today, right? Mm-hmm. Because once we fall into that contentment, then especially as we get to uh, the 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 our our more uh, uh, let's call it like our higher years, right? Yeah. Um, contentment leads to entropy, right? Entropy leads to death eventually, right? So it's almost like this idea of we have to keep going, we have to keep moving. And if we don't strive to become better, like versions of ourselves, I know that's overused, but I'll use it again. Uh, but if we don't strive to become better versions of ourselves, we're going to start going the opposite way. So that I know it's a, a very simple term of live a larger life because we probably threw around a couple hundred episode names or not episode names, show names. And we came back to that one and it was like, that one just feels good. Not only because it's, uh, it has that, that historical piece for us, but the message inside of there and the challenge inside of there is a, it's a powerful one for a lot of people, no matter who you are, what age you are and all that stuff. Yeah. The, uh, you know, over time we can get into that idea as well. The, um, of, uh, what's in the language of larger, uh, um, I don't know if we want to do that today, but that's what I specifically mean by that is, uh, uh, reaching towards your potential, right? Your own individual potential. You know, the cliche uh, army statement, be all that you can be. It seems like such a cliche, bravado, useless, militant statement, but it's very, very powerful because it, it basically asks, it doesn't matter how you measure up to other people, but you've got to be the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that also doesn't mean overreaching. That doesn't mean stupidity or f- fatalistic ideas, right? That means, to your point, you know, so I would call it uh, striving for contentment because we're not striving for happiness or we're not striving for, you know, something else because I think that's gets jammed up in narcissism. I think we're striving to feel like at least we're, tr- we're trying all the time, right, cognitively and physically. And I think that's what our show is here is to do is to give people an idea on those guardrails and how to get started and, like, what is overreaching, what is too much, what do you mean by potential, I didn't know that I was capable of doing those things. I want people to learn that. That's right in front of them. And I think we can get that with this. So many windows too, because it's like, it's a call to action too. It's a call for ownership and responsibility. Yeah. It's you being, doing it for yourself, but also for those around you. I love it. Yeah. Let's let's go into uh, asking a, a question that I think is an important one. And it is, where does vitality sit in uh, this idea of living a larger life? Next week we'll go we'll go a little bit deeper next week and we'll define vitality as if we're defining uh, the same way we're defining what does living a larger life means this week. But let's answer that question of where does vitality fit inside of this thing. Um, so let's start and let's just give like the cliff notes version because we're going to go deep next week. But what what does vitality mean? Anyone? Yeah, Georgia. You yeah. What what does it mean? history is around these behaviors that create vitality, exercise, nutrition, behavior, we'll get into all of those pieces. But living a larger life is the big project. And this goes like above and beyond anything we've discussed before. So vitality is the bridge that we get to have that conversation through. And to me, vitality is just creating opportunity, right? If we don't have vitality, we don't have the opportunity to live a larger life. We can't say yes to things. We can't decide to say no to something. So for me, to be vital is just to have this like blank slate 
that allows me to, to make those decisions and have that equality of opportunity. Yeah, I mean, we, we do have to, let's agree on this, right? Uh, where does vitality live, right? Where does vitality sit? Like vitality sits in all things that are living, right? So when we start to say, how do you measure vitality? Um, that's, that's a, that's a challenging one that we'll hit next week, but, um, we have to understand that, or we have to agree on or disagree on, maybe this is going to start a, a larger conversation. Um, vitality is the, the power that gives life continuance, right? Um, it's like, how do we keep going? How do we keep moving? How do we resist that entropy? It's like, we want to keep filling up that, that vitality bucket. It's like, what does it mean to fill up that vitality bucket? Um, it's, it's giving yourself energy to live right? Larger, longer, all of those things. Um, so that's, you know, just kind of feeding off of George's definition of, of vitality. That's, that's what it is to me, right? It's like that, it's that energy source. It's that power source that keeps us moving forward. I see it, uh, um, slightly differently, but in the same line, uh, of being the aim, I see vitality as the utmost thing that we want to achieve. Um, and that's how, how I define it. Um, it is possible in our language, the bridge, you know, or the way to get there could be that itself, you know. Um, but uh, I see it as, uh, to use your language, uh, it's a sparkle and it's, a, it's an energy and a light. And, uh, and I actually pull it from uh, feminine language uh, of radiance as the highest form of, yes, well, in my opinion anyways, I think it's the highest form, the highest order form of the feminine uh, is radiance. And uh, I think that is, um, I think to, to make it seem short, the, the bravado and the masculine, you know, uh, go hard concept has really diminished that concept for people. And uh, so that's why I think vitality is a great word because you want to have a light and a sparkle. You don't want to be 35 and burnt out with no light but jacked and, and lean, you know what I'm saying? Like, or not be able to reproduce, you know, how, how vital is that? You see, so the, the concept of saying vitality is anti the current concept of what healthy is. I don't, I don't that's wanna... why I want to, I want to call it, I want to call it the beacon. Yeah. And, and it's the, it's, it's what people should be quote unquote striving towards is being vital uh, the whole time. That's the whole project. Not to extend this, I guess I am extending it, but mm -hmm. um, because you said a, a couple things there where, you know, we're fighting against it. It's the masculine that's uh, pulling away from, uh, let's just call it vitality. Uh, what, what do you mean by that? Is it is it in action? Is it in thought? Is it a combination of those things? Can you kind of just Yeah, give, I think give the whole fitness project has been masculinized uh, with bravado and testosterone and work hard and... And, uh, I, I feel, I feel that's a masculine entity. It's like, it's because it, it's very admirable, <laughs> you know, it's like who, who wouldn't want to suffer? Uh, physical sacrifices, I think is a masculine entity. I think just females know better. They're like, that's fucking stupid. You know, why would you want to do that? Uh, but for us it's like, oh, there's something deep and powerful in that. And I think we went too far with it. I think we like bleached it inside of the entire physical movement spectrum and, um, here we are, you know, here we are trying to come up with all these ways to like, uh, possibly to keep going on that frame, demasculinize it, you know, fine. Even if I'm using the wrong words, I don't care. It's, it, it that's just what I'm sensing it is. So the, the, the vital component, uh, makes us go, we could still do this intelligently and have energy, 
right? And make it last a real long time. And is that feminine? I don't know. But it's definitely not. Uh, There's still a foundation. You're not going to get. Well, I'm just thinking about it. You know, with those kind of words, you're not going to get uh, a thousand uh, bodybuilding bros with that message, right? It's like, but I don't give a shit. I don't care. Uh, that's not the project. Because mm -hmm. I care about people being, you know, energized and clear-minded and being able to do things for their whole life, not for five years. So that's that's where I think uh, the it's coming up the lane on it, the feeling around uh, the description of it. Yeah, and let's let's remember that because the things that we're going to talk about um, ongoing in an ongoing basis is we're going to talk about it's okay to be free flowing sometimes, it's okay to not be in your fitness, right, in your practice, in your uh, pursuit to increase your vitality. Because the things that you're talking about, James, uh, like masculine versus feminine traits. Um, we will propose a lot of uh, a lot of things uh, in terms of free flowing and be okay with like self regulation, all those things. That that's not that's not very masculine, right? Masculine is what I'm exercising this many minutes. I'm doing this many sets. I'm doing this many reps. Progressive overload needs to look like this, and all of those things. And what we're proposing is something completely different than that. We're proposing just just do it, just be right. Um, and that's going to, you know, fill up that vitality bucket. That, is that not to say, though, that there isn't a time and a place for that in the journey? And and or does that build a foundation that allows you to then lean the other way? Yeah, for sure. And let's just be clear. The, you know, we could propose it this way, right? So there is possibly a whole other universe where everyone's vital, right? Think of it that way. And then come back to ours and say, what's happening now? And so that's what I mean, that vitality is necessary for the overcorrection of the shit that has gone on for 30 years, of this thing that we've been propagating and being a part of, right? And we're sick of it. And we're now gonna, we're not going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, you can do it that method, and this is going to get you there. No, you won't. So I think, yeah, there is this, <laughs> right? The, the union of the language of either side, but that's why I'm, you know, I'm sticking, sticking to that, that Oof, feeling for, that for a correction. Reflecting on the reaction, the vitality as the reaction to what's happened over the last 30 years, it's trying to simplify. It's trying to get away from the new, flashy, sexy, biohack approach to fitness. And I think what we're going to propose is, again, really simple behaviors and uh, universal behaviors that can create vitality for someone. How they go and apply that might look different from person to person. We're not going to tell someone this is what to live a larger life exactly looks like to you, but there is a lot of uniformity and universality in the, the uh, vitality piece itself. Is that fair? Yes, almost definitely. I was just picking up on your point that, yeah, the overcorrection is not a political way for us to inject this new idea. We're just, we're the only ones with the balls and the ovaries to say, no, this is the direction. We are the only ones. Right? I challenge anyone to say there's another spot that's going to say that and not, and not fall prey to like, oh, what do you want to hear? What's our sponsors? What, you know, we're not going to do that anymore. And uh, that's what, so, so it's not a political move in the overcorrection. Right? It's like, no, no one's willing to say, what is the vitality model? And we all know it. I could look you all in the eyes. You've, you've had people you know, questioning you on that. Right? Like, what is this, what is this mode of thinking? Right, and it's so hard for them to to comprehend the concept. Like the the brains are not broken, but man, it's a lot of rewiring. So how do you fix a rewire? You got to change the language, and you got to point the ship in in a direction that says this is what this is what that model is going to look like. 
I also love that you touched on the fact that they're, we're not going to tell you how to do it because it goes back to so much of our history as a company being about the individual hmm. and, and putting the ownership on the individual for finding their way for sure. of executing. Yeah, for sure. And we'll probably have a, uh, I guess, a call to action for ourselves, for our show in the future to talk about that. Like what is responsibility and who's responsible and mm-hmm. how do you get that over? I want to have that through line to your previous points on intentions without wisdom um, I got lots of questions on, you know, how do we get people to be wise for themselves, for their sovereignty, um, you know, and how do you get a, a large majority of people that are local to us uh, on board with this concept, that this idea of wisdom and this concept of vitality is not that hard. It's just right there, and we can give you some guidance on it. So I'm interested in looking forward to that, just to set the tone for the future. And then next week we'll dig, we'll dig deeper um, and we'll talk about how vitality connects to behavior, exercise, nutrition. I think there's going to be a lot of things inside of that behavior piece that we're going to dig, dig really deep into. Okay. Next piece inside of, uh, inside of living a larger life intentions. Nice little, uh, nice little segue after, after you hit the, um, the intentions without wisdom thing. So um, I hope, I hope that we didn't, we didn't, or I didn't, uh, propose like intentions. Having good intentions is a bad thing. It's, it's not, right? We just have to know why we're doing things, right? And intentions change, right? When we get, when we gain knowledge, that might completely change our our intentions, or that might um, be something that solidifies those intentions. But inside of this idea of living a larger life, you have to have really, really clear intentions. You have to understand that intentions matter. Without intentions, there is no, to use James's language, aim right? Like we're just, we're flailing. We're just moving around in, in the, uh, in the ethos. Um, so intentions would be the next thing here. And when we were talking about our intention with the show about being in a postmodern world and. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, uh, it's uh, this is a, uh, modern attempt, uh, in a postmodern situation, uh, of a traditional idea. What are we talking about? We're talking about lunges and broccoli and water, right? And honoring basic principles. Uh, these are stood the test of time, right? So that's uh, that's what our intentions are for the show. It's so heavy for me, mm-hmm. right? That's what I've been really on my radar. I guess if I was to go back on a psyche radar for a long period of time, was that uh, awareness that um, we're doing all these things, right? And, and we're sharing all these ideas and we're and we're doing stuff. Um, but, and then you, over time you're like, yeah, but it's not working out and it's not working out for a lot of people. And it's not, and then, you know, <laughs> you feel bad because uh, you get so far into the project of doing things. Uh, and someone told you this way back at the beginning, right? That's what I, that's what always like comes back is like, I didn't listen. Um, and what they said indirectly was that you got to ask why they're doing it, you know? And, uh, man, that was heavy. Um, and that's what intentions is about. Um, the, the next place that I go on intentions, so people can understand what we're discussing there, is that you have to recognize that everyone sees the world differently than what you do, right? So you already have to start with that premise that uh, whatever you have on your, Thomas Sowell would call a vision, and what you start with on a vision, that's not what that other person's vision is, right? So start with that premise, and now you can start a conversation to maybe be more empathetic on you know, why they're doing what they're doing. Because it's very easy for us as talking heads to sit here and say, uh, no one has the right intentions. You know, they need to have a conversation with a coach. Well, that project for us has been very difficult. (laughs) 
Um, and uh, anyways, the intentions uh, make me think about uh, how how deep of a conversation it is. I'll just stop there because it, there's just so much to it of where people start. And I don't know if you want to help lead me into a different direction that could like pick out a little portion of it or if, because it's, it's just so, I just feel overwhelmed when I see intentions. That's all I'm being honest. Yeah. Th oh, sorry. Go ahead, Georgia. Uh, I was just going to say, I have a question uh, related to intentions and it ties a little bit into your radar piece, Carl. You're talking about all of these fitness companies putting out uh, wearables and at-home fitness solutions with the potentially good intentions of getting more people doing fitness, but ultimately not resulting in that. Do you think that doing something or maybe doing something for like what we would think are the wrong reasons, is that better than doing nothing, even if intentions aren't aligned, when it comes to behaviors that might drive someone towards vitality, i.e. like, again, using your tone or doing the workout because you want to lose weight, not because you want to live a larger life? Yeah, uh, I think it doesn't work out. Yeah, in 100% of the times, 100%. Uh, there has to be belief. That's it. Yeah. And you got to, and there's the project is like, oh, but they're never going to believe. Well, that's what you got to work with them on. Right. It ha you have to get them down to the point that they're in their garage doing it and they don't give a shit what anyone thinks about it until you can get them to that. It will not work out. I don't give a shit what their HRV says. I don't give a shit what their blood work says. It doesn't work out in the end. Because you got to remember the spider webs of that. Their, their kids are seeing them suffer and physically sacrifice themselves, right? Why? Because they're not knowledgeable about their intentions, right? What are they answering? Oh, it's got to keep your mid, midline down. No, no, see that? So it, it's more than just that. So it has to be, it has to be deep inside the right intentions. That doesn't mean that a lot of people can't get there. But it should make us wake up and realize we got a real big frickin' bunch of hurdles to jump over to get people there. And so how do we do that? Well, you don't stop. <laughs> and that's why we're doing what we're doing, you know? Um, and by the way, that's my opinion on it. I think it's, I honestly get a little bit more pessimistic on it. I think it's futile, the attempt for that, um, without, without, without a correct conversation of belief as to why they're doing it. just like pat someone on the back and say like that's good keep doing what you're doing it's challenging the beliefs it's actually taking the time to challenge belief challenge intentions with that person uh to be able to nudge them towards that yes and this i'm glad you just mentioned that because now we have to talk about or we should talk about in that line of thinking who are we actually discussing here because there's aspects of young people with small brains in which we're not trying to get those abstract comments across they're just obeying the rules, right? Whether we, or disagree, we disagree with that point or whatever, they're just obeying, right? They're not, they're not learning or teaching, right? Are we really gonna ask them about belief? You know, think about that as a heavy con concept for someone at tw age 12, no. And we know the downsides of making them believe in a certain dogmatic thing, right, or a doctrine, but we have to recognize that when we're having this discussion, we're probably talking about a brain that's developed, right? And then now it brings in your word, that's their responsibility to learn about why I'm doing this. Their responsibility. Now, you're going to be a part of that as a fitness instructor or an authority figure in health for sure, but that's, they got to get that. And I would ask everyone not to stop short till everyone's on board with that. 
and again, I, I get like, because <laughs> uh, Igor, 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 that's what I think of there. It's just a, it's such an exhausting, big process. Can we, yeah, can to we uh, there. to wrap this one up, can we go boom, 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 or boom, boom? Let's start over here. Dan's yeah. been talking a lot. Yeah. Let's, let I apologize. Him, let's let him swallow a little yeah, bit. Tensions are big, man. I, I know. Let's, let's do this, right? Because I, we're, we're kind of talking around this idea. Let's let's give our own in under 15 seconds. I'm putting everyone on the <laughs> James eyes. In under 15 seconds, let's give our the first thing that comes to our mind when I ask the question, what does it mean to have good intentions as it relates to, to this topic? Georgia, take five seconds. Okay, five seconds. Yep. What does it mean to have good, good intentions? Do you want me to start? To the topic of vitality? Okay. Yeah, let me start. So okay. I'm cheating because I have the answer, oh, okay. my Got answer it. in my Got brain, it. so I'll, I'll start. Thank you. Uh, for me, good intentions means that uh, those intentions will continue to move you toward your aim forever, right? So those intentions are going to change. So my intentions might be A, and then I get three years down the road, I learned, and then now they're B, and then they're C, and then they're back to A, but those intentions are just moving you forward as it relates to living a larger life. I think that was 16 seconds. Your intentions will pivot, but the foundation of them will be the same. And in just going back to your why. And if that why is for a lot, for all of us defined under the umbrella of living a larger life, that, that could be, uh, to be the example for your family. It could be, um, so that you don't have limitations of any sort. Right. I think as long as they come back to that foundation, like you said, they could, they can pivot. Yep. So beliefs, have to be inside of intention. Values, belief. Yeah, values, beliefs, alignment, personal alignment. All that stuff has to be inside of intentions. It has to be considered inside of intentions. I'm doing this because I believe that, because this is what's going to give me, I think, fulfillment. This is what I think is right, right? Like all of those things I think have to be inside of intentions. And we're not saying intentions toward a goal, right? We're just, I'm, I'm talking about 60,000, yeah, 60,000 feet out, right? Living a larger life. What are my intentions as a human? That's mm -hmm. that's that's kind of where my head is on that. Yeah, I feel like there needs to be some precedent that the intention will result in the outcome that you're looking for. So it has to be founded on something, whether that be past experiences or observations. Like that intention can't just be like pulled out of the air, hope for the best. There has to be some, uh, again, some reason why it's going to work. So so right now, let's say that we're we're defining good intentions to live a larger life. So the outcome is just to live a larger life. So to increase my health span, my lifespan, feel really good, um, do some resistance training when I'm 85, all that stuff, play with my kids, my grandkids, maybe my great grandkids, all of that sit inside of it. But that's the that's the outcome. So with that being the outcome, and we all agree on living a larger life is the outcome, what are good intentions to you? Good intentions. I, you, good intentions would what does it mean to have good intentions? To have good intentions, to know that Right. Yep. Again, because there is some precedent or some experience that suggests that what you're doing is moving you towards what you said you're going to do. I don't know. I maybe just rambling off some things. The uh, intentions uh, has to be your reason for doing it, right? So it has to, and, and then I then I back up and say everyone's not going to have the same reason. Um, and then I sit in a modern world and see that. 99.5% uh, of all people um, have been affected by society and culture that dictates man. So society and culture dictates man today. And it, 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 it moves a lot. So that, coming back to your, it's like I wrote down inherent intentions. 
right? Because I truly believe that people are born to be free movers. So I believe that when you are born, you're a free mover. But I think we're in a society where there's, and generations deep now, on that concept that has been lost, like truly out of, let's call it Wikipedia or any encyclopedia, right? It's gone. So yeah, the intentions are not inherent anymore. So uh, I don't know what that, where that leaves me. No, that. that's I, good. I think, no, we, that's I, good. I think, that's I think good. we have to, I think what I'll land on, if I, if I, let's rewind this whole thing out without <laughs> doing it. Um, I would have, I would have asked it by, uh, you got to, asking questions is going to get at the right intentions. That's that I, that I think, because you're going to continually say, is, what's the reason behind this? Right. And that over time is going to move from skepticism and pessimism to like a guiding light towards all your points of this, this journey towards something that's bigger and better. So when you ask questions, what do you have to have though? You have to have answers, right? Like, or you have to be able to come up with no. those answers, like through that process, if you're just asking yourself questions over and over and over and you have nothing to challenge, um, your current belief, let's call it right now. And your belief in your intentions, um, if, if you're, if you're living in an echo chamber, if you're not living in an echo chamber and you're just living in your own brain, mm. right? Like can growth actually occur? And I'm only saying that because yeah. I'm going to our next point of knowledge. Oh yeah. No, for right? sure. Where, where oh, knowledge, gosh. yeah, knowledge is very, very important. So, <laughs> you know, being in the know, right? Um, so we would define knowledge as uh, for, for purposes of, um, wrapping knowledge around living a larger life it's it's trying to it's trying to identify truths right it's mm -hmm. trying to identify truths um and the way right here's a truth and this is the way i'm going to execute on this truth right get to know our host and a sneak peek behind the scenes of the live a larger life show when you follow us on instagram at live a larger life we look forward to chatting with you there so let's let's pivot out of intentions and get into knowledge and why knowledge is so important. The concept of just knowing more all the time, right? Like don't let your brain entropy as well as your body, but just always putting knowledge in that thing. Why is that so important? This isn't so, for James specifically, but if James no, wants to jump no, in. No, well, I'm going to come back, but I, I'm going to connect what you said on the back end there because I can't let go of the depth of intentions is that, uh, and I, I just feel that we have to at least discuss it or get it right or at least, you know, ping this for a future point that we open up. But, um, you know, you, you said something about, you know, they have to look for answers. I, I disagree. I think that with when people discover that they're on a pathway and they're asking the why, that's where I mentioned responsibility for them to get educated. Right. So, um, and this is sidewind, but you know, it did pull in what, where we currently are today. The, the thought and the concept, but that's why I said society has affected man today. The concept is that you listen to a 30 second bit to get educated. And that's a fantasy, right? That's a fantasy. So if, if you are, if you don't know, and you're asking questions, which brings in knowledge and you ask questions, why, right? You're now on the intention bandwagon, right? What's the whole reason behind this? You read two disagreeable books that take you two months. Do you see my point? So, uh, no, it's not, you're not, you're not, you're not looking for answers, right? I guess you are, but in order to get there, I just wanted to add that it's a, it's, there's a massive responsibility on behalf of the person to get educated on that. 
And, uh, and of course, we're not necessarily talking only about fitness there. We are articulating the ways in which we believe someone achieves a larger life, right? Mm-hmm. Just tracking. Yeah. What's, it, what's inside of it? Yeah. What's yeah. inside of it? Um, you know, because intentions, and I know James mentioned it, it's such a big one, but depending on what our intentions are, that's something that a lot of people just have to live with for a very long time of like, what are my truest intentions? Um, <laughs> you, you raise your hand. Would you? Yeah, no, I, this, and this, my point will be the whole idea of this project, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, and I get, I get talking and I'm like, but I, but I said this the same way for so long. That's why we've landed on do it for you mm-hmm. and do it because you can. Mm-hmm. That's, that says everything about intentions. And until you get people there, don't stop. <laughs> keep keep trying so yeah it includes your point of the you know the idea of trying to go to, towards that it uses our language of what is what is being vital what are we searching for we're searching for vitality right what does live a larger life mean well it means to strive for something more all it has capsulated in those points do it because you can and do it because it's for you i think what's important inside of candace's comment was we're actually not we don't have the answer yet you know what i mean like we don't have the the, the playbook of like this is exactly, these are the things that every human needs to do to live their largest life. We have answers on like, here's an idea here, here's an idea here, here's what we think you should do using James's uh, term obey, right? It's like, just obey these things for a while and, and figure out, does it, do those things work for you, right? Um, but going back to intentions and the, the piece of like, do it for yourself and do it because you can, it's like that first one is, that's that's something that I think a lot of people have to live with for a while. What does it mean to do it for myself? Mm-hmm. Right? What does it mean to do it for myself? Because uh, someone might think doing it for myself means um, I'm 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 putting this thing on social media because I want to get a, a lot of likes and that makes me feel really good. So I'm doing it for myself. We would disagree with that, mm-hmm. right? You're you're doing it for someone else, but you're getting some like dopamine and some some excitement inside of you when you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's, that's the big one to me is do it for yourself. Like really investigating what does it mean to do it for yourself? Yourself means you're doing it not for anyone else. So what you mentioned was an example of doing it for something else. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you're good. I was just going to say it blows my mind because of this, all this makes me think about the fact that so many people today have never been challenged with this living a larger life. They don't, it's not even something proposed to them or on their radar of things. They're just living mm-hmm. what they know as living. Yeah. Well, to come back to Carl's question, you need knowledge to be able to challenge intentions and arrive at your own intentions, right? You need knowledge to understand what it means to live a larger life. You need knowledge to be able to work towards vitality and to actually know what you need to do to be vital. I'd like to kind of narrow that question down a little bit where you ask what is the value of knowledge and just ask you guys, like, what, how much does someone actually need to know to achieve vitality? Just because I know for time, um, I actually think there are the answers. Um, and uh, I think it's pretty simple. Uh, you move every day, you eat real food, and you learn every day. And that could be expanded upon. But the people that are going to argue that point are the people that are grabbing this knowledge of power from people. I really do think. And we, are, we played a role in that as well. Right, so you got to know it inside of yourself first in order to see that. But uh, I think they are pretty simple, and I think we come up with things, including this possibly, that makes it more challenging for people to understand what that pathway is. So I, I do think um, that 
knowledge is there. And it's, it's yeah, I think a secondary thing we all have to ask, and I've said, I've sweared a couple of times on here, I'm not going to purposely try to do it again, but um, we're talking to adults here, right? So, uh, you know, young people can't know. You know, you, you can, you think, you think you know, but you don't know what you don't, you know, you don't even know what you don't know, right? And there's a lot of adults that don't even know what they don't, what they don't know, right? So inside of the knowledge point, you have to take an individual perspective as to who you're speaking to. It has to get like hyper, hyper, hyper individualized by first saying, do you even know what you know and know what you don't know? And if they don't get past that first, I think even the conversation on knowledge is like, you know, you're just, just throwing things out. So there I offered like a reductionist concept to what the knowledge is that is the right way. And then, yeah, it is complex inside of it for each person. But I don't think it's complex in like people even asking that, those questions. And we're, we're going to be a part of that. Like we're going to say something that's like, oh, geez, you know, I never knew that was that. Was that. Oh, now I, now I know something, right? And then it bundles and bundles and bundles. And then hopefully you'll see the through lines for truth. For knowledge to actually be useful and to be something you can apply, uh, there has to be some order of operations to how you learn it, uh, how you stack that information. And it's like, we got to start with move every day and chew your food before we can talk about like heat shock protein, right? Everyone runs to the heat shock proteins, but they don't spend time talking about getting in, you know, 10,000 steps or whatever it might be. Yeah, and I don't know if you were going that line. I, I, I don't think that's the pathway to get there for knowledge. Because again, that's the same thing. It's a bait and switch. You're asking them to obey and do things, but their intentions are incorrect. So it starts with intentions. Yeah, so if you were premising that prior to it, then yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Is The first steps are the first steps, you know, by all means. What's the, what's the easiest way for people to get knowledge? Maybe let's all give our own personal... Because I think we've all gone through phases where we've um, where we've gone to different places or different types of places or different mediums when we were hungry for more knowledge. Why would you phrase it as easiest? Um, lo lowest Just barrier, where it's like not not easiest. I guess what is your? I guess easiest was the term because it's like you're you're giving the answer right to the person that's listening or watching. It's like what is what is a what is a what is your favorite place? What is a place that you trust? What is a, and I'm not, I'm not saying like this magazine, this channel, this thing, but it's just like what medium do you think is the best way for people to consume knowledge? There's a lot of mediums out there. Man, again, it, it comes back to who's listening. Um, but listen, this is, this is uh, what month is it? August 2022, right? So the, 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 what happened in early 2000s and what happened with the advent of social media has completely distorted our concept of information gaining and what knowledge is. Completely distorted it. To the point where, I won't have to give really sad stories, but it's, it's actually disgusting, you know, that what has led to that. So I, I go there, I can't, I can't get out of that to give you a definition as to where people go to gain, gain knowledge. I see a lot of humans as being pawns to the system, walking dead, that are stuck to a digital platform, and they're not learning anything. You know, that, that, that sounds so, so large, but they're not. They're not learning. They're learning nothing, right? All they're learning is how to consume various points of information. No one's taking a debrief to say, hmm, just a second now. No one's taking a long end. There's a few. There's a few people. So, man, I can't even go anywhere on how do people gain knowledge today because there's just so much. There's so much. I also cannot not look at my children, right, and how they're being preyed upon 
to learn all these things at such a young age that they have no business in my own right mind knowing. But I have no control over that. Right? So, man, I don't even know. I apologize. I don't even know where to start. I'm, I'm very... Uh, no, that was perfect. <laughs> answer by saying not, not from someone that's trying to sell you something and from someone whose intentions you trust. And it's really hard to know either of those two things are the case unless you have a close personal relationship with those people and you're around them every day. And it comes back to what Candace started with, which was we need family role models to be able to look up to. We need to learn that from the people who absolutely have our best intentions at heart because they're our parents, they're these you know figures in our life that need what, want and need what's best for us above everything else. I mean, I think about where I go for health and fitness information. I read some websites, I listen to some podcasts, sure, but if it's something that really matters, like Carl, I'm coming to ask you. James, I'm coming to ask you because I know you have good intentions and at the end of the day, neither of you are trying to sell me something. Yeah, what happens if 98% of all the humans out there actually have the incorrect intentions? So how are you gaining knowledge now? How about I see every day, every parent that I see that walks around us that has zero knowledge on vitality, but they are responsible to that concept of family and passing on that information to younger people, right? So that's where I, I'm sorry, I get stuck on... Uh, and I get dark because I can't see a way through. You know, I can't see a way through. Because we're talking about, you know, we're talking about, <laughs> sorry, we're talking about chewing broccoli, right? We're talking about having a meal with your family, right? And not for any other reason than just that. You know? At what but point in time do you think that was outsourced or the responsibility was offloaded? 1971. Go to the website. <laughs> what WTF happened in 1971? Uh, just go there and you tell me what you think. But I think the, the change in economy at that point in time fundamentally shifted academia and what was being taught. And then I think this all spun up with the concept of changes in culture and all the great things that happened um, at the point where technology met it at the crossroads. And this is what you got. You got a fucking fantasy land of people thinking what a relationship is and what is community. And all, I got all these options. You don't have all these options. Who told you you have all these options? Oh, this phone told me I had all these options. Oof. You see that? that that's where. So I think, I think it was there. I could be wrong. I, 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 get, I get kind of a eh, feeling when something really matters. And not that I'm hearing it for the first time, but it's a new idea. New ideas always kind of give me a little bit of a pause. Um, and we're, we're just having this conversation uh, yesterday about like this concept of uh, living in year zero, right? Where it's like everything is new. Everything is new. All ideas are new. Um, who cares about tradition? Who cares about the things that we know that have worked for hundreds and hundreds of years, right? We're living in year zero. Rules are now are created today and we don't look back at anything else. I get paused when I hear things like that. So um, I don't have a place, right, where it's like, this is the place to go to gain knowledge, but um, I get paused when I, when I hear or see that. And I love investigating things that have happened uh, over a century, <laughs> right? And like really understanding or trying to understand if that thing is good, if that thing is bad, if that thing is uh, uh, beneficial, if that thing is not beneficial, if that's the truth, if it's not the truth, all of those things. Um, only time can really tell us what good knowledge and information is. So I think when we start going back to, uh, you know, what is good knowledge, we can only be 
confident in saying that good knowledge is it's knowledge and concepts that have stood the test of time, right? I think we need to be really careful when we go to our uh, scientific journals and we change our entire concept of thinking because a study was done with 14 people, right? Like that's, that's kind of the world that we're living in. Did you see this new study? I have to now start doing this. I now have to start doing that. And then you investigate it a little bit more and you're like, well, none of those people were me, right? And I'm not saying we ignore science by any means, but I think we've been living in that world for a really, really long time. So that stuff gives me pause. Yeah, it's a deep philosophical experiment of ground zero. It has been done. Uh, Ken, I'm just trying to recollect on people that have taken those. Uh, uh, Stephen Weiss has a great podcast on, it's called Philosophize This, and he's been through that in a couple of different ways. So, um, But thanks for again pinning that for me to make me think about it. Um, yeah, I think as I heard you talk, I think it does then come back to whoever's going to make a comment on uh, how to gain knowledge. Uh, they also have to be knowledgeable about, about their own intentions. Because as, as you heard you talk, it's probably the through lines for a lot of us possibly, I don't know, but um, it's really, you know, how you think you're operating in this current scenario, right? And it's not always one line or the other, but it's either nature affects man or society affects man. And you all, you definitely will fall in one of those lines and they don't end up in bad places. It's just that that's your deepest inherent vision. So I think, that will give you some ideas then going about saying like, you know, how do I learn? How did I get to know something? Well, it's not that difficult. You know, it's through experience. It's looking at tradition. It's looking at, but maybe you don't have that line of thinking. Maybe you think that you're born into a situation in which society and culture is going to make you. Do you see that? You have every right to believe that. And you may have intergenerational beliefs that made you get to that point. But you may have every right to believe that. So now my whole point of like, oh, knowledge is gained by tradition and experience. This person doesn't believe that. Do you see that? So it, it does come down to anyone listening, you know, just recognize not everyone is going to have that same tone or belief in how knowledge is gained and knowledge acquisition. Quick question. What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? I think uh, knowledge is uh, on the pathway to wisdom. Yeah, and I think that's just stuck in my head of uh, this hierarchy of what we're looking for on the top end of our cognitive repertoires, right? We want to be wise over time, right? You want to be the sage, the sage of yourself, right? So you got to keep asking yourself, how do I get there, right? What do I do every day and what are the practices? Does eating broccoli allow me to be more clear-minded to read 50 pages? Yes, that's what I'm going to do. Right? Because I know it's connecting to my highest cognitive capabilities. So what was the reading? The reading was a gaining of knowledge on the pathway towards wisdom. And I think there's probably seven different words in between on the front end and the back end up to wisdom. But I, I think wisdom is that hierarchy top end of um, you know, what we, I guess, in our language would call mastery and grand mastery. Yeah. It's through experience, right? You can know something without having lived it and actually seeing how it played out for you. So to me, wisdom comes through not just 30 days, but uh, months and years of lived experience. What we've discussed many times before uh, on CCP calls um, is that uh, you can't be a life coach without living any time. You know? <laughs> so to your point, you know, experience will create those things. Uh, so it does bring up the philosophical uh, conversation on, you know, well, when is wisdom achieved or what is wise? Who is wise, right? Um, and I think even that in itself is certainly questioned 
today as to who who gains that. Just as a you know, what's coming up in my mind as I'm talking about it, I think we've lost that. I think we've lost the concept of respect for elders today. Uh, not just within like our our family units, as an example, just to give you an idea of different cultures who don't have it the way that you know I was raised. Anyways, uh, there was an expectancy that I kind of look forward to when I see my girls growing up and having children. I was like, I'd love to be around them and their children. <laughs> now I don't necessarily, I never wanted my parents around, but do you see how the 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 concept there wasn't around grandparents helping out when both parents were working or et cetera. It was about offering wisdom right? Wisdom on what it means to live, right? And so that's what I think about as a, that's an insight into what I think largely has been lost. I speak about it all the time in fitness, right? Where are the wise people in fitness, right? Where are they? They used to be around. I used, they used to be my mentors, right? But today, because of mass media, you just show off a body part and now you're the expertise. We've lost it. It's completely gone. So that's what I also think about as a sad aspect of, of wisdom and the gaining of it. Um, but I hope people are pulling out what you just said there. It's going to take time, a lot of time, right? So you're 22 and you want to teach someone about how to live a larger life. You can only teach them what you know, right? But you're not wise. You're not yeah. wise, young grasshopper. Yeah, you can you can feel and uh, you can feel and just hear wisdom when you hear someone talking about something that they have a vast amount of experience in that thing. Um, and I'm not saying just because you have experience in something, you do have wisdom, but I do agree that that is a massive part of that, right? You listen to like Thomas Sowell or something like that, and you could just like, you could just hear wisdom spewing out of that guy, right? Um, demeanor, what he says, his experiences, all of that. It's like, that's a wise person, right? You look back at him when he was 22, having those conversations, you can tell that the wheels were turning in those old like 19... 65 yep. 1970 interviews the wheels were turning back yeah. then he had like knowledge and that knowledge has now turned into wisdom right so it's mm -hmm. it's really interesting so i do think that uh, to kind of uh double back on what george said i do think experience is a is a big thing there so um i've, I've just been asking myself that question a lot lately uh knowledge and wisdom and the differences between those two things so i think that might be a good place to end this one let's wrap it up there I thanks guys it. thank you thank you all thank you